This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Avid listener of Leafs Lunch, you know that this is Petrillo's Friday Jam. Andy and company back on Tuesday. This is the final hour of Toronto today. Right here on TSN 1050. Leafs Lunch back on Tuesday. All the Labor Day game day Toronto today special 12 to noon on Monday or 12 to 3 make it on Monday as we build up to the Labor Day Classic. Argos Tie Cats, you can listen to right here on TSN 1050 on Monday evening. And like I said, Leafs Lunch. Been all over this all week promoting it. We've actually been doing a countdown here in studio. Leafs Lunch returns on Tuesday, as do the boys on Overdrive. Scotty Mack is back from vacation. Landsberg, he's been gone for the last week. He's back. So the crew. All back together next week, right here on TSN 1050. I am Gareth Wheeler, at WheelerTSN on Twitter. What's up, Toronto? Uh, Coming up in a few moments' time, Josh Lundberg to talk about which NBA player will make the the biggest impact on his new team for this upcoming season. We did this with the NHL yesterday, the NBA today. I'll bring you up to speed on the poll results thus far in a few moments' time. WTF coming up at the... Well, to conclude the show, an NHL player baptized his child in the Stanley Cup. I'll tell you who at that time. Is that gross? This is why it makes a WTF. That Stanley Cup has seen a lot of things. And there's been a lot of stuff in the Stanley Cup that you wouldn't necessarily want to put your child in. I'm sure it's being kept clean. It's being sterilized. But baptizing your child... I'll bring you up to speed a little bit later on. And I got two tickets to give away in terms of Canada-Jamaica. International friendly. BMO Field tomorrow night. Four TFC players. Part of the Canadian contingent. It's a rematch from the knockout round at the Gold Cup. Atiba Hutchinson from Brampton. He's back in the squad, Alfonso Davies, a guy that's an emerging star, not only in Canadian soccer, but potentially the world game as well. Get to know that name now, so when Canada hosts the World Cup in 2026, you know who he is. A 17-year-old phenom, he's part of that group as well. You can go down to BMO Field tomorrow night, pick up tickets, 20 bucks gets you into the game. And into the CNE as well. In the final weekend, the air shows this weekend. So a lot of hype, a lot of buzz if you're kicking around the city this weekend. And hey, if you're going to Depeche Mode on Sunday like I am, hit me up. You can meet up with my wife and I for a drink. We'll have a time. How does that sound? Um, at WheelerTSN on Twitter, I just put up this poll question. Uh, Lance Hornby of the Toronto Sun Post Media Covers the Maple Leafs, has done a great job doing so for years. Uh, Join me on the program. He's stalking some Maple Leafs players who are on the ice right now, getting some extra summer skates in before training camp opens up in a couple weeks' time. But the the issue of Patrick Marlowe has been a significant story all summer long. And I get why a name 
like Marlowe will excite a fan base. He's a player that's accomplished a lot over his career, not only with the San Jose Sharks, uh, never won a cup though, but has done well for the national team as well. Mike Babcock, familiar with the player, and still has something to offer in these being the latter stages of his career. The question is how much? And that's why I have reservations about Marlowe. A 38-year-old player entering a three-year contract like this, and I think the expectations about what he will bring are a little bit out of control. So I'm asking you, what is a realistic expectation when it comes to production, what Patrick Marlowe in his 38-year-old season will bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs? What is a realistic expectation for Patrick Marlowe, 416-870-1050. That is 1-855-591-6876. You can wear your blue-tinted glasses if you like, or you could take them off, and let's be real. Because in yesterday's poll question, when we asked which NHL new acquisition would have the biggest impact for their new team... The winner wasn't a Ben Bishop. It wasn't a Brandon Saad. It wasn't a Jonathan Drouin. It wasn't a Kevin Shattenkirk. It was Patrick Marlowe. And I get how we're here in Toronto, and there's excitement around this team, and rightfully so. But let's get our expectations in check when it comes to a 38-year-old player. Please and thank you. If you don't want to join us on the phone, 416-870-1050, you can text me at 105050, email live at tsn1050.ca, at WheelerTSN on Twitter. What is a realistic expectation in terms of production, where he plays, how much he plays for Matt Patrick Marlowe? Not at the end of his contract. I'm talking about this 2017-2018 season. And Josh Lewenberg will join me in 10 minutes' time to talk some hoops. So get your calls in now, people, as we work our way into this Labor Day weekend. Let's start off in the city of Guelph. Let's go to Guelph. Dave, what's happening, Dave? Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. You? What's a realistic expectation? Um, I say mid to low. Um, I think the unfortunate thing for us is uh, in, in the Toronto area, in the GTA, is, is that Marlowe's coming from a market that's that's like zero in the sense that we, you know, we, we just don't know that much about San Jose. Uh, you know, it's, it's a market that's, uh, that he's, he's never been in, at least I don't think he's been in the spot like, like he's going to step into Toronto. So, um, I think there's going to be a ton of things he's going to bring behind the scenes. But I think out front, I think the lower expectation for me anyway that I have, the better. I think our high expectations are our young guns, and that's where our, at least my thoughts are anyway. And uh, the lower we have the expectations, I think the better off he's going to do. I think he's going to add a ton to the team, but what that will actually look like on the ice, I think, is still remains to be seen. Well put. I completely agree with you, but you know how people get about a big-name player when he comes in, do you think the expectations will be too much, be much more than what Patrick Marlowe is able to produce at, again, 38 years of age? Well, he's seasoned. He's, he's a guy that's been in the NHL for a long time. So he's not, he's not, he's not, a, he's not a kid. And uh, so I, I think he'll do well. 
Um, I, I think the only question will be spotlight and whether he can handle that or not. I, has, has, uh, has he been in the market? I, I don't know Martin Lernel's past. You hear, hear me as a Toronto. I don't even know. He's, but, played, he's has, played in the NHL 19 years, all with the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. You know, he's never played outside. He's never been in the sun in the spotlight. Uh, you know, as much as the sun is, <laughs> is wonderful in California, the spotlight in Toronto is just a different shade of, you know, shade of brightness. Right. I, I, Thanks for the phone call, Dave. No, I appreciate that. Like, he's been in the spotlight of the Canadian men's national team, but how much pressure is there? And I say that with all due respect, because when you're on these stacked, these loaded Canadian teams, you're insulated. And he's never been the biggest star on the team either. He's never been the go-to guy. And I don't think, and I'm not trying to say he's going to be that here in Toronto, but if he does falter, a veteran player, we've seen this with veteran players, well-respected, coming to the city before in the latter stages of their career, and father time always wins. And when they just don't cut it, they sometimes become the butt of all jokes, and they get criticism that's too much. And he signed a rich contract. The San Jose Sharks were willing to offer him two years, ten year, $10 million. So $5 million a year. The Maple Leafs trump that and then some. Because they believe he can be a guy that can make this team better. The question is, how much better? Let's go out to St. Kitts. Aaron, you're on TSN 1050. Ready for the long weekend, buddy? Uh, I'll be working all weekend, but uh, Monday I'm off, so I'm, uh, I'm ready for that. That a boy. You'll, you'll grind your way through, won't you? Of course. That a boy. Uh, what's a realistic expectation? I think 20 goals minimum. 30, 40 assists as long as he's playing with Matthews. Um, I, he should replace Hyman in that top line. Um, if Marla was there last year, I think we would have beat Washington, uh, no doubt, and uh, moved on. Uh, with Marla playing with Matthews this year, we should be making the playoffs. No problem, in my opinion. Wow, that's, that's a big total. Take into consideration, Aaron, that in the last two years, he's had 46 and 48 points. Okay? Um I know he's playing with Matthews. I know there's a lot of excitement, but Joe Thornton, one of, if not the best passer of the puck in hockey. And he's playing with two also star players in Pavelski and Couture. So let's not look past that. He was playing for a very good San Jose Sharks team. It's not as if this is the first time he's played with a very good player before. Yes, uh, but Nylander, Matthews, uh, they shoot a lot. You, know, you have Thornton, who rarely even shot, so he didn't really provide as much scoring chances as he could have. Um, well, his passing's pass- phenomenal, Aaron. Come on, yeah. he's one of the best passers in the game, if not the he, best passer in the game. Oh, he is, but if Thornton would have shot more, more rebounds for Marlowe, maybe, who knows. But I think playing with Matthews Nylander, there's going to be a lot more scoring chances. Matthews Nylander are faster than Thornton. Not sure they're probably about the same speed, but I think there's going to be a lot more scoring opportunities and more chances for Marlowe when he's playing with Matthews and Nylander, as well as that, uh, the amazing power play that we had last year. Okay, good stuff, buddy. Really appreciate that. Appreciate the opinion, the perspective. 416-870-1050. Look, th- this is part of being here in Toronto, not seeing the San Jose Sharks play. Play late games on the West Coast. Couture, Pavelski, Thornton. Play with those guys, you're getting lots of chances. With all due respect to Marner, Nylander, Matthews, come on. Those are stud players in San Jose. So let's not try to make out like the Maple Leafs are going to be a new lease on life, more opportunity. I just simply don't see it that way. Robbie and Etobicoke, I know you're ready for Labor Day. Are you donning all your white gear this weekend, pal? 
<laughs> yeah, I think I, my wife packed it away a little bit. <laughs> Mine did, too. Uh, what are your expectations? Well, I mean, I, I, when they initially signed Marlowe, I kind of could not wrap my head around the reasoning behind it. Um, because obviously all you see is a 37, soon to be 38-year-old that, while he can still skate, you just wonder, eventually time catches them all, and, and you figure, for that type of money, could they have, you know, could have been better spent elsewhere. But the more I look at it, um, while I don't like the third year on the contract, I think what, I guess the reasoning behind it would be they know JVR is coming up, and he's going to want well over the six and a half they're paying Marlowe. And I think they looked at it and said, you know what, for what we're going to get out of JVR for more money, potentially, and which puts them in salary cap uh, problems anyway. But they think, you know what, this, this is a great stopgap. It's a proven guy, experience. He can keep up the speed, at least right now. And I think it, it'll be a good fit in terms of he'll, he'll get that. Uh, we obviously don't know how he's going to fit in with, uh, with regards to the, you know, the spotlight of Toronto, but... His experience, he's a savvy vet, he can, he's proven it, and I think he's going to fit in well. And, and I think he's going to get a shot in the arm based on playing with the young, uh, with, with the up-and-coming Leafs. And I, I kind of look forward to it. And he's going to obviously get a lot of opportunity, assuming he's on uh, Matthew's wing. And, uh, and I just look forward to seeing how it all plays out. Good stuff, Robbie. Uh, appreciate the phone call. Enjoy the long weekend. That's, that's a good way of looking at it. You're excited to see the way that it plays out. He's going to get opportunity, and we'll see where the cards fall after that. I, I, I'm just leaning more to the conservative side of things. Others, like our previous caller, Aaron from St. Catharines, is more looking at the glass half full part of the equation. Let's hear what Jesse in Brampton has to say. Jesse and don't speak of the Brampton. What's going on in Brampton today? <laughs> We're just continuing our countdown to puck drop uh, in October. That's what's going on. That a boy. Just don't count too quickly, okay? I like okay. a little nice weather in September 1st. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's loving uh, being able to go outside in a hoodie. Yep. So I, like, I can smell hockey season around the corner. Good stuff, um, pal. What's an expectation for Marlowe? Okay, so I, I know in a couple of colleges before you guys were talking about points and whatnot. When we signed Marlowe, in my head, like I have no worries about us scoring goals. We got a lot of guys that can do that. But for me, the big deal is having a leader who's... I know he's, he didn't win a cup, but he made the finals. He's had a, a pretty illustrious career. And so my expectation is for him to have a positive impact on the dressing room and kind of show them, even though they don't really need to, show Matthews and them how to be more professional and how to take winning uh, to the next level. How many guys like that do you need, Jesse? I, like, I hear that oftentimes. I believe there's something to it, but oftentimes that's a cliche as well. Because when the Maple Leafs had veteran guys like Fanuf in that group, I mean, that leadership core was a real problem in this team. And you still have leaders like Komarov. You bring in a Ron Hainsey. You bring in a Dominic Moore. You only need so many of those guys, and you need to make sure you get them at the right number as well. So I, I agree with that. Um one, to your point about comparing it to the, the class of Fanuf and, and Kessel on that, I love them, but they're not, I, I wouldn't put them in the same conversation as Marlowe. And then, obviously, the same goes for, no, no disrespect to Dominic Moore, who was huge on our team. I think when we when we made the playoffs in 2013, I think he, I, he, was, he was a big guy to have on the team. But, I don't know, Marlowe, he's a scorer, right? He's, he's 
scored, and it's a different type of leader. And I also have one more question, though. What happens in the third year if he retires? Is that a hit against the cap? Yeah, it is. It's a hit against oh, the cap. He's over okay, 38. So. so the Maple Leafs will have to be creative and find a way to bury the last year of that contract. I just don't like the fact that we're thinking about that already. Like, when you sign a player know, to a contract, you, know I, I, you shouldn't be I, thinking about out clauses. <laughs> you should be thinking about how to maximize production. And at the age of 41, I mean, that's yeah. where we're at, where it's a realistic question. What's going to happen at that time? Yeah, we shouldn't be in a number crunch at that point, right? Actually, maybe in the third year, but the first two years, of the, the money should be fine. Anyway. Good stuff, Jesse. Enjoy the long weekend, okay, pal? We can uh, squeeze in one more call. Joe from Markham, you're batting cleanup here. Bring it, buddy. Bring it. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good, pal. You? Good, thanks. Uh, you going to be wearing those white pants out this weekend or what? Buddy, white tight jeans. White tight jet denim this weekend. Look out, Toronto. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Marlo, honestly, I, I agree with you. It, it, it's a pretty penny for uh, seven mil for a mentor. Um, I honestly think, like, max, maybe like 45, 50 points. Like, we can't go any higher than that. Um, because, uh, honestly, you know Babcock, he, he never likes to switch up his lineups anyway, so he's not guaranteed playing on that line with Matthews. Exactly. So, um, uh, who knows, right? But uh, I, I, I think it's a lot, um, and uh, his age is a factor. Um, and, honestly, I think the East is actually getting better than what people think in comparison to the West, um, especially with the speed. Uh, that's one thing that he does have, but 38-year-old legs, they, they do scare me. So, um I, I don't know. I'm optimistic about it, but at the same time, when it comes down to uh, the last part of his career, when we're paying $7 million and then we got to re-sign Nylander, Matthews, and Marner, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be the best guy to have, but who knows? Again, let's stay optimistic because Lou Lamarillo makes players disappear as well. Right. I mean, You and I are reading from the same scripture here. Like, it's just father time always wins. And when I hear that money and that term for that player, I just don't love it. But at the same time, once the season starts, Joe, I'm going to try to be optimistic. I hope he proves me wrong, and I'll come on these airwaves and publicly apologize when he does. But I'm approaching this with... A little bit of pessimism. I'm, a, I'm cautiously optimistic to a certain degree, but overall, I think you could have spent that money in a different way, in a better way for this group. Yeah, I think the way you're going about it is the way I go about my pro line. It's like betting against, the Blue Jays. <laughs> it's like betting against the Blue Jays. But if they win, you're like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not that mad. But right, know, right, exactly. Win, right? Thanks, buddy. Uh, you have a great long weekend. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it. We'll we'll try to take some more of your calls at the bottom of the clock. So let's say it about 13, 14 minutes time. And we've had a lot of tweets and texts and emails on this. I'll go through them. I'll share your expectations, your predictions in terms of production for Patrick Marlowe for this upcoming year. Someone asked a question, well, why are you obsessing over this, Wheeler? Well, this is the Maple Leafs' big off-season acquisition. That's why. Who did they bring in that's bigger? on more money, or more important, potentially to the team. This was the Maple Leafs' big card that they played in the offseason. Like it, love it, hate it. This is where we're at, and this is why it's a topic to discuss. I'm not sure if there's a better, more interesting topic when it comes to the Maple Leafs this upcoming year. I want to know who's going to play with Morgan Riley. If it's Ron Hainsey, I don't like it. Other than that, it's like, well, who's going to get better this year? Well, we'll see how that plays out. But there's some true bite. There's debate as to whether the Marlowe deal makes sense.
So we'll get back to that in about 13 minutes' time. In the meantime, our poll question today, we did which NHL player will have the biggest impact on his new team yesterday. Today, it's all about the NBA. Which new player, new acquisition will have the biggest impact on his new team for this upcoming season. I gave you four options, but there's other names that can be included as well because this NBA offseason has been bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So we gave you four names. 41% of the vote think Kyrie Irving's going to have the biggest impact. 24% say Paul George. 19% Jimmy Butler. And only 16%, I'm surprised by this, are going with Chris Paul. Let's get our Raptors and NBA reporter, analyst for TSN 1050, and a good friend of mine, Josh Loomberg, as he checks into our program today at JLU 1050 on Twitter. Which new acquisition is going to have the biggest impact for their team this year, Josh? I'd probably go with your last place finisher there and Chris Paul. Me too. Isn't Isn't this so fitting? Because Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in NBA history. But he doesn't get the credit for, for being uh, as, as great a player as he is, uh, especially as he's gotten older over the last few years. He sort of flies under the radar at that point guard position. It's all about Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry. Uh, but which team out there, particularly in the Western Conference, figures to be the the biggest competition for the Golden State Warriors this year. I would say the Houston Rockets. And the biggest reason for that is uh, the fact that they've added uh, an all-world talent at the point guard position. Now, there's an obvious question mark there uh, with uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, two players that need the ball in their hands to be great. Can they learn to coexist? Uh, But... Uh, I would think that they'll figure it out. And it's interesting because when you look at all those other players that you mentioned on uh, on those other teams that do figure to be this year, Minnesota will be better, Boston will be better, certainly OKC will be better. There's question marks with all of them in terms of how things will come together. Russ has to learn to coexist with Paul George after more or less chasing Kevin Durant out of town Boston is interesting to me because they're going to be great offensively. They've added a lot of talent with Hayward and with Kyrie. But this is a team that's been great defensively under Brad Stevens over the last few years. And they've now lost two of their best defenders in Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. So I think that's going to be the fascinating storyline with a lot of these teams, just in terms of how things gel and how things come together with the new players. Do you think it's... Just our listeners who are voting that are kind of sleeping on Chris Paul, or do you think the league is pessimistic about the Houston Rockets based upon how last season ended? Yeah, that's a that's a valid point. I, I mean, I'm not sure anyone was buying into how good they were throughout most of last season, sort of thinking that it was a mirage that uh, come the playoff time, the fact that they're very one-dimensional, Uh, an offensive team not great defensively would really be exploited and in some ways it was but I think the Chris Paul addition helps in that regard as well as underrated as he is as a player he's even more underrated specifically as a defender where he has been one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA now for a number of years they've also added guys like uh, 
former Raptor, P.J. Tucker, a couple of other uh, pretty good defensive pieces. So to me, that's the big wild card with, with Houston. If they can be even competent defensively with how good they project to be offensively, they're a team that could very well give Golden State a run for their money. Josh Lundberg joining us here on Toronto Today. Just a heads up, Josh, I'm just watching him behind me on the screen. DeMar DeRozan on ESPN Los Angeles right now, by the way, just doing a sit-down in-studio interview. Looking sharp, looking dapper in the striped shirt and the backwards caps. So just a shout-out to DeMar for getting some national profile. Uh, I wanted to address... Kyrie Irving, because he's leading the vote getting. This is how I feel, because I think Chris Paul will have the biggest impact this season, but over the tenure of his stay with their new respective team, I think it's Kyrie Irving that can have the biggest impact of all those players because of the unknown when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers and what he can do with the Boston Celtics. Would you agree with that sentiment? Well, I think Kyrie Irving might be just as overrated as Chris Paul is really? underrated. Okay. So that's, that's, I mean, he, he's such a flashy player. He's a fun player to watch. He's so good offensively that I think a lot of fans, particularly the casual basketball fan, um, gets sort of carried away with the type of player that he is. He, he's not a superstar right now. He hasn't proven to be a superstar. He's certainly an all-star and now has an opportunity in Boston to prove that he belongs in the conversation with guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden. That was probably the type of player that he had in mind when he did make his power move to get away from LeBron James and get out of Cleveland. But the one thing I'll say is I, I get from Boston's perspective going all in on a guy that they believe can be a superstar because, as we know, superstars don't grow on trees in the NBA. They're very tough to acquire. Not only do you need the pieces, the assets to go out and get them, but you need that at the right time. And I think Houston going back to the Rockets is a perfect example of that. They had the pieces at a time in which OKC was looking to move James Harden, and that's worked out for them because Harden, although he has similar limitations to Kyrie defensively, he's proven to be a superstar in the way that he elevates his team and makes his teammates better. Kyrie hasn't shown the ability to do that in Cleveland, albeit in a small sample size when LeBron hasn't been on the floor, whether he's on the bench or resting or even going back to before LeBron went back to Cleveland. So if Kyrie can prove to be that kind of player in Boston, whether it's this year or in future years, then ultimately I don't think it matters how much Boston gave up for him because they'll have acquired a franchise-altering talent. If he doesn't prove capable of becoming that player, then I do think this is going to look like a mistake in hindsight. Really? I'm just a fan of Kyrie. You know, health issues aside that kind of plagued him earlier in his career, I mean, I just think he's a phenomenal talent. Very few players have the offensive ability that he has. His ability to create his own shot. He can hit the open three ball as well. He can take it to the hoop with such speed and execution. Just, I love what he brings to the table, Josh. And that's a move that's worth rolling the dice if you're Danny Ainge, who still has draft picks, adds Gordon Hayward. I mean, it looks like the Celtics are moving in the right direction here. And for me, they're getting value in bringing in the former number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's a risk worth taking. And although I strongly believe that Cleveland won this deal simply because they got more from Boston than they were going to get anywhere else, even if Isaiah Thomas 
is damaged goods. They got a whole lot, and that's that pick that's uh, likely to be a top five selection in next year's draft from uh, the the Brooklyn Nets, of course, um, is the the key to this entire deal, and, and probably the reason why Cleveland pulled the trigger to begin with. But as I was saying, I, I mean, if you're Boston, you you've been working from an almost unprecedented position of strength with all these assets. And the reason they've been sitting on these picks is not ultimately to use them and to keep adding all these young pieces. I mean, that's been nice for them to have guys like uh, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum to build around. Their end goal here was acquiring a, a superstar. And you can throw out any offer you want. You can throw out the kitchen sink to a, a team like New Orleans, let's say, for Anthony Davis. But if Anthony Davis isn't available... He's not available. Um, so to be in a position where they were able to use those pieces to add a, a talent that they obviously feel strongly about, that they believe can be that guy, and I think there's a, a chance that he can be that guy even if he hasn't shown the ability right now. He's still a young player, and as you mentioned, that talent, particularly offensive, uh, offensively, is probably top five in the NBA. So uh, they're going to be... A fascinating team to watch this year. I don't think it's a guaranteed um, thing that they're going to be uh, in Cleveland's tier or even better than than Cleveland, but um, they've got a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of bringing it all together. Now. Josh, I also want to have you on because obviously the story it broke uh, last weekend where Bruno Caboclo and whatever tournament, what tournament was being played, Josh? It's uh, it's the AmeriCup. I, I believe okay. that's the new name for it. It used to be the FIBA Americas. Okay. Yeah, he he ended up meaningless. Yeah, it's just one of these tournaments that sneaks up on you, and you're like, oh, this was going on. Well, after a pretty decent first couple of games, he refused to enter, re-enter the game uh, in one of Brazil's matchups, and was removed from the team. Have you heard anything more about this story? Yeah, I mean, that's the short of it. And this was a missed opportunity for a guy that is running out of opportunities in the NBA. Remember, when the Raptors drafted Bruno, he was 18 years old, and he was as much a blank slate as you can be from a basketball perspective. He had the tools, he certainly had the body, but he had very little playing experience. So, any opportunity that he's been able to get to go out there and, and get reps and, and to learn has been crucial for his de- development and continues to be crucial for his development. So this chance to go down this summer and, and to play with the Brazilian national team for the first time, by the way, was important for him. But my understanding from speaking with those around uh, the situation is that Bruno didn't go down there with the right attitude and the right approach. And that's an issue that the Raptors have had with him over the last couple of years. Uh, This isn't the first time that he's let his emotions or a misguided sense of entitlement get the better of him. Uh, I'm told that he had been late for um, buses and, and for practices with the D-League team last year, occasionally missing them altogether. So the Raptors are not happy, obviously, with this situation. They're disappointed with what happened to Bruno here in this tournament, and they've put him on notice. Uh, really? I've been told that 
They've instituted a zero-tolerance policy for his behavior this year, which so happens to be the last year uh, in, in his contract. So the clock is ticking on Bruno's NBA career. Um, he still has time. There's still hope for him. But his growth off the court is just as important as his development on it. And I don't see the latter happening without the former at this point. Right. He needs to get things together and meet, mature as a person before he can become a better player. I, I think you're spot on, Josh. As, as many of our listeners know, I help call uh, Raptors 905 games alongside Megan McPeak. And Bruno showed, like, he played well last year. Like, he had a lot more consistency to his game. He has intriguing length. He can hit an outside jump shot. His defensive play was much better. But what you question is the mentality. Whether he has it in between the ears and in the chest. And these signs of immaturity and the fact that this happens with the national team as well, that's what would be a real true concern for the Raptors, right, Josh? It's not just his skill set on the court. It's his overall approach and whether it will ever click. Well, that's just it. And that's what is so fascinating, I think, for us in the media and also for fans while probably being very frustrating for coaches and for guys in the front office. And that's the fact that everybody develops at a different rate. Everyone grows at a different rate. Some um, very quickly in their careers, some take a little bit longer, and some really don't develop at all. Um, I think Andrea Bargnani, uh, another former Raptor, is a good example of that. We were talking about all this great potential that he had up until his late 20s. He had all of this great potential until just one day he he didn't anymore. So you look at Bruno, and it's easy to forget how young he he still is. He's only 21. Um, He's still growing as a player and as a young man. But to your point, I think this is a universal rule in professional sports in general, not just the NBA. If you're going to be giving teams, organizations a headache, if you're going to be causing problems, you better be darn sure that you're worth it, that you're good enough to justify that. And and right now there's an imbalance in Bruno's game when it comes to that. He's taken steps forward, but he still has a long way to go. And um, the the Raptors and any other team that he – it becomes a member of in future years if he does get another contract after this season. I mean, they're going to be looking for him to take those steps forward unless he's able to really control his emotions and to work on his game the same way that we've seen Norman Powell and DeMar DeRozan over the years work on his. That work ethic has to get a lot better, and he's really got to get his priorities in line if he is going to be an NBA player. Good stuff, buddy. How are you spending the long weekend, pal? I think it's going to be a quiet one. I didn't even realize it was the long weekend until what? yesterday. What's wrong with you? This is uh, this is vacation for me. Every every day is a long weekend until Got you. Uh, training camp starts up again. I, I feel like this weekend is the biggest for teachers and people with kids who are going back to school, yeah. right? Because you send the kids off, their lives come back to them after this weekend with the kids in school. And for teachers, they actually have to get down and dirty finally. Follows upon us, wheels. It's getting chilly out. No kidding, buddy. Thanks for this, Josh. Keep up the great work, okay, pal? 
All right, we'll talk to you soon. Josh Lewenberg joining us at JLU1050 on Twitter. Continue to cast your votes. Which NBA player will have the biggest impact for his new team this season? At Wheeler TSN, at t- TSN1050 Radio on Twitter. I'll be giving away tickets to Canada, Jamaica, WTF, and more of your thoughts on what we can expect from Patrick Marlowe in terms of production this year. Text me at 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca, at WheelerTSN on Twitter. Wheels with you, TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today. Winding down to the weekend. What's up, Toronto? Gareth Wheeler with you. And counting down to Dennis Shapovalov. Taking on Kyle Edmund at Flushing Meadows. It's U.S. Open Tennis, third-round action. You can watch on Canada's sports leader, Mark Rowe, with the studio coverage. Shapovalov, Edmund coming your way at the top of the clock. Do you have the audio? We can play one more time. This is what happened the last time that Shapovalov played Kyle Edmund. It ended in disaster if you are the umpire, comic relief if you're someone like me. Three errors. Oh my goodness. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh, I think we're at the end here. Oh, that's such a shame. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh. And this is something that you just don't want to see. This is the worst nightmare. It is just the worst possible ending. I'm so sorry. Oh, that call. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, it's a nightmare. Incredible. Complete accident with Shapovalov hitting the ball out of frustration, smoking the umpire in the face. In the face? Shapovalov uh, has played so well. He's captured the imagination of the country. Listen, I'm not thinking long-term, just in the here and the now. There's a lot of fun to watch him play. Let's see what he can do. Top of the clock, Shapovalov and Edmund from the U.S. Open. Giving away tickets to see Canada-Jamaica International Soccer Friendly tomorrow night at BMO Field. Hey, you might see me down there as well. Alfonso Davies, Atiba Hutchinson, four TFC players, Junior Hoylet. This is an exciting Canadian men's national soccer team. Want to win tickets to see them play Jamaica? A rematch of the Gold Cup quarterfinal? Well, your chance to win is right about now if you answer this skill-testing question. And you're the first caller through, you can win those two tickets to tomorrow night at BMO Field. What was the score when Jamaica beat Canada in the quarterfinals of this summer's, this past summer's Gold Cup? Jamaica sneaked past Canada. It was a tight game. What was the final score? If you know the answer to that question, 416-870-1050. That is 416-870-1050 now. The toll-free number is 1-855-591-6876. Final score between Jamaica and Canada in the quarterfinal of this year's Gold Cup. Then you can win those two tickets down to the game. If you don't win tickets, you can purchase tickets. $20 not only gets you into the game, but gets you into the CNE. The final weekend of the exhibition is about to begin, and you can be part of that, and you get your ticket to the Canada game as well. What a deal. Two for the price of one. 
Uh, Canada, Jamaica, tomorrow night, BMO Field. You can watch on TSN as well. I want to get to some of your comments, and I was asking for realistic expectations when it comes to Patrick Marlowe for this upcoming season. Um, I don't know what Scrizzy and Joe Bieber think. I'll share mine after I share some of yours. Um, Chris Langlois saying 20 goals, 40 to 50 points. Okay. Seems about reasonable. Mike hit me up. When were your callers realize that Marlowe was brought in for support in a much different way than on-ice impact? Well, if you're getting paid $7 million this year, you're hoping that he provides some kind of impact on the ice. Alex sitting out at our lovely callers as well. What's going on here? Alex saying, does the caller realize that San Jose went to the finals two years ago? Lease will provide more chances. No chance. Pavelski, Thornton, Burns, Couture, etc. That was my point. A lot of callers think, well, Marlowe's going to get all these chances playing with all these young players. Well, the San Jose Sharks were no slouches and made the final. Stanley Cup final for the Western Conference two years ago. Andrew saying 40 points. Chris Bowen, 18 goals, 48 points. DJP, 50 points. Rocky, 30 to 40 points. Boreal Ninja, 25 goals, 60 points. What else do we got? Let's go into the mailbox. We almost need some background tunes. It's like do 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 do. I think that was more I Dream of Genie. But you get the picture in the background. What else do we got here? Expectations. To be honest, not much should be expected of Marlowe, except his knowledge and veteran presence. I'd rather have our youth surrounded by Marlowe than the finesse of the world. Plus, if they told us today we'd be getting a 40-year-old Crosby, we'd lose our heads. Unfortunately, with all due respect to Jordan, who writes that in, Marlowe isn't a 40-year-old Crosby. He's a 38-year-old Marlowe. Dan, who's listening on the iHeartRadio app from the Ottawa Valley, I'm worried that our expectations for Marlowe will be the same as Clarkson, where that was a huge fail. We should lower the expectation. Dave from Brockville, am I crazy? I would rather have Jagger on a two-year deal than Marlowe. Yes, you are crazy, Dave. Jagger can't skate anymore. That's the problem. Crafty player. Big body, difficult to get off the puck, but he's 45 and can't skate more. In my opinion, just retire, Yermer. Just retire. Uh, what else do we got? Matthews isn't a passer like Joe Thornton. Daniel, 10 to 15 goals, 30 to 40 points. Let's go around the room. Guys, Joe Bieber, Scrizzy. I'm saying Marlowe, realistic expectation, 15 goals, 40 points. I'd be willing to go up to 18 goals, 45 points, but in that range, for me, that is a realistic return from the player. What say you, Biebs? I say 20 goals, 25 assists, aiming for 45 points. Okay. 20 goals? Yeah, minimum. Babcock thinks he'll get 20 goals for the record. Like, he's expecting 20 goals from a Patty Marlowe. Scruzzi, any thoughts? I agree with the Biebs. 20 and 25. Okay. I'm a little, a shade lower. We'll see it all play out. Training camp opens two weeks from now, and Leafs lunch. The season debut comes your way on Tuesday. Andy Petrillo and company, 11-1 to right here on TSN 1050. Uh, Congratulations to Thomas Dimitropoulos. Dimitropoulos. There you go. Tommy Dimitropoulos. He knew that that Jamaica beat Canada 2-1. And yesterday, I didn't congratulate yesterday's winner. My bad. It was Peter Carpino. Uh, he got the skill testing question right yesterday. 
Thanks for your calls. Thanks for participating. And have fun down at the game tomorrow night. Got a boatload of WTFs before we close up shop on this Labor Day long weekend. Wheels with you, TSN 1050. What the? They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19 to 1. Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. WTF. Wheels with you. Let's fire through today's WTFs. Penguins forward Josh Arsh will spend his day with the Stanley Cup and baptized his three-week-year-old son, Brecken, inside the Stanley Cup in Minnesota. One photo shows a priest pouring water from the cup over the child's head. Is there sanitary issues? Would you baptize your child in the Stanley Cup? It's cool, but if that Stanley Cup could tell stories, if it could talk, where is that cup being? In some precarious situations, I'm sure it's being sanitized, but knowing where that cup's been, what does that mean for the baptism of a young child? Just saying. I've been saving this all week. The big WTF was season seven of Game of Thrones. The worst season of all Game of Thrones. I am so disappointed. Everything's rushed. It used to take characters like episodes from get to get to one place to another. Stab of a finger, they're like King's Landing to Dragonstone to the wall. It's like, what? They used to take characters a whole season. And I'm not going to spoil it, but the end, the last scene with the dead dragon, come on. Just completely lame. Game of Thrones Season 7, a big time WTF. You need to be better. To TSN's Four Downs, which makes its season debut this weekend. They put out a poll question, which playoff, non-playoff team from a season ago will make the playoffs this year? They listed four teams to pick, none of them the Philadelphia Eagles. What's up with that, Grizzy? Come on. WTF, right? Yeah, WTF Who not putting. That junk? Well, you should be in control <laughs> and understand the Eagles are making the playoffs. Uh, LeVar Ball and the Ball family have a new docu-series on Facebook Live called Ball in the Family. Ball, are you watching that? Big Ball Brand House. I, 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 I love Lonzo. I can't stand LeVar. Creative title, Ball in the Family. I love how it's on Facebook, but probably not watching. Also, WTF, LaMelo Shoe. Give me a break. Three ninety five for some kid's shoe. Yeah. No one knows who and he is. And I'm also going to WTF the fact that his name is LaMelo. What is that? Yeah, that's a weird one. It's a made-up name. Uh, to Dave McMenamin of ESPN, suggesting that the fact that the Lakers signed Latavius Caldwell-Pope, then that means LeBron's link to the Lakers next summer stronger. Because Rich Paul's the agent for both. You think LeBron is going to go to L.A. just because Caldwell-Pope is there? Come on. W-T-F. Jim Rice versus CC Sabathia. Sabathia hit out the Boston Red Sox because Nunez bunted in the first inning. Says it's weak sauce that the Red Sox would bunt. But Jim Rice, who does work on the Red Sox broadcast, his response priceless. You tell him to leave some of that chicken, that donut, and that burger away. Maybe his leg would be okay that he can feel that baseball. <laughs> We don't call them carbs and calories for fun. CeCe Sabathia is one huge 
human being. And shout out to Narcos, season three available on Netflix starting today. Uh, that's going to be fermented. Solid weekend plans for me. Hitting it up on Netflix. Those are today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. It's been a blast doing Toronto today all summer long. I wish I was here more, but because of health issues and others, I haven't been able to be here as much as I've, I like, but we'll be here over the course of the fall season as well, just in different times right here on TSN 1050. Thanks to Joe Bieber, thanks to Scrizzy, and thanks to all of you. I am Gareth Wheeler, Mike Hogan coming up next. This has been Toronto Today. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Wear your white people. Wear your white with pride. Enjoy the long weekend, everyone.